You may be seated. God bless you. Man, what a beautiful baby boy. Beautiful baby boy. Man, you guys just keep having them. It's a blessing from God, blessing from God. If you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to the book of John. Uh, I, I already know that I'm not going to be able to finish this message today. And so I'll, I'll finish it when we get back. Our team, we have a team of, of uh, Restoration Lifers that are leaving to Peru this Friday to go on a missions trip. Come on. We're going to go put in some work with our sister church over there in Trujillo. Peru, and uh, we're going to be ministering, outreaching, doing some, some men's meetings there as well, Sunday night meetings, and God is having a revival in that church. For those of you that don't know, we as a church, after the, the, the landslide that took place over there, we, we gave a couple thousand dollars to help them out with what was going on there. Today, the church is rebuilt, they're thriving, they're seeing revival amongst the youth in the community, and uh, we're going to go there to help and to continue to see revival take place there. And so keep the team in prayer. We leave on Friday. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, we'll be back in like seven or eight days or so. Right, right, David? And uh, man, we're excited to be there. We're excited to go. And then we're excited to come back. And we've got some powerful men of God ministering uh, while we're away. Also, just to let you guys know, the first weekend of November, we are taking up our heart for the house. Come on, our heart for the house love offering. It's a, it's a special time of year where we come together and we will go above and beyond in giving. And, and I want you just to spend this month, just pray. Whatever God puts on your heart, bring it to the house November 1st. We're looking at doing some more uh, things here on campus, things that we're not able to do within the primary budget. But let me just tell you, we already signed off the deal to get the roofs done on a number of our buildings. That's already going to get done. It's already set. And... Let me just tell you, we didn't have to finance it. We paid for it cash because of hearts for the house. No debt. No debt for our church there. And uh, we're going to continue to do things. We finished the cafe. Come on. We're going to continue to do some more in here. We got classrooms that need to get remodeled because we got more teaching to do, more people to reach, more people to love. Come on. We're doing more for the kingdom here. And so... Together, my wife and I, we're, we're going to be praying about what we can bring to the house. And, and I just ask that you and your family just pray about what you could bring to the house on that day as we prepare to give towards heart for the house. I, you know what? I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad that I'm a born-again Christian. Aren't you? I mean, I mean, if we could be honest this morning, I remember what my life was like before Jesus. I can remember what my heart was like before I had an encounter with God. Not a religious encounter, a, a life-changing encounter. A, 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 an encounter that would take me from a place of hopelessness to a place of purpose. And I remember, and I know that a lot of you remember what your life was like before you were born again, before you became a Christian. And again, this is a relational thing. This is a relationship with God. This is not a religion in God. This is a relationship with God. And I thank God that he saved me because I couldn't do anything to save myself. You couldn't do anything to save yourself. And I'm not talking about temporal things. I'm talking about eternal things. You know, one day we're all going to stand before God. Every single one of us are going to stand before God. And he's going to ask us, what did you do? What did you do with the sacrifice that my son paid 
to give you eternal life. And so I'm glad, amen, that I'm saved because one day Jesus came into my soul, amen. I'm glad that you're saved, amen, because now you're born again and you're experiencing a newness of life. And you know what the cool thing is? We can't add to it or take away from it. It's all God, right? It's all God. It's all God. And you know what? I can't help but want to, I, I want other people to experience this revival that I've experienced. You know, in Christianity, you hear that term revival thrown out a lot. What is revival? Revival, what it really is, is bringing something that was dead back to life. Something or someone who was dead back to life. And if we could all be honest this morning, we were all dead in our trespasses. We were all dead in our sin. Yeah, we were living and we were breathing, but we were just really existing until we met the one, the one that would give all so that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I want to help you see this as I tell you a story in the Bible, and I'm probably only going to share two points because I know a lot of you guys want to join life group today, and I want you to be able to go out and meet with all of our brand new life group leaders and connect with them because we shut down Wednesday nights for the for the winter, and we're going into life groups. Because how many know life happens with other people, right? We want to do life on life with one another. Life is better together. Can anybody say amen? amen? Look at what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. This is what he says in this letter, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. It says, as for you, as for me, you were dead, <laughs> dead, dead in your transgressions and in your sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is, at, who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Our flesh is our sinful desire and following its desires and its thoughts. Like the rest, like everybody else, we were by nature deserving wrath. But because of his great love, his love for us, God who is rich in mercy, come on, say this with me, made us, come on, made us, come on, he made us alive. We were dead, but now he made us alive. There is a revival that has taken place because of God's grace over all of our lives. Even as Christ, when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you are saved. Can we just bow our head and close our eyes for just a moment as I try to unpack as much as I can to help us all understand where we're at in this story. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for today. This is the day that you have made. And Lord, we'll rejoice and be glad in it so grateful for everything that you've already done. But God, we look forward to everything that you've prepared for us, your sons, your daughters, your creation. And we understand today that there was nothing that we could ever do to save ourselves. The Bible, your word, has declared to us that it's not by any works of righteousness, not anything good that we could ever do, but it was by your blood alone, by the blood that was shed on that cross over 2,000 years ago that not only washed away my sin but brought me into a right relationship with you. 
Father, you restored us. And Lord, you placed in our hearts to reach others, to see their brokenness restored, to see their lives restored, to see their marriages restored, to see their health restored, to see, Father, their purpose restored, to see every area of their life restored back to a place where they can say, God, you're doing something in me and you've created me for something so much more than just existing. And so, God, I pray today, speak to every heart and every mind in Jesus' name. And everyone said, and everyone shouted, come on. All right. There's a passage. There's actually passages after passages throughout Scripture where you'll see Jesus visit hopeless situations, hopeless circumstances, people that were in a serious uh, problem, and he visits with them, and he connects with them, and he doesn't just heal them for the sake of healing them. He has a purpose behind their healing, and there's a reason why he allows the, the lame men to walk, and the blind to see, and the deaf to hear, and the, 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 the man with the withered hand to, to put out his hand, to stretch out his hand, and it not be withered. There's, there's a reason why he meets with a woman who had a, a, a lot of lovers at Jacob's well. There's a reason why he meets with a blind man at the temple or a poor beggar at Jericho or that wee little man in a tree. There's a reason why he connects with them and he meets with them and he partners with them because time and time again, we are given throughout Scripture the privilege of seeing God move in a hopeless situation. And so today I've entitled this message, Revival. Revival. And I wonder if anybody here is in a situation or a circumstance that is filled with pain, that is filled with hopelessness, that is filled with desperation, where your heart literally cries out, God, only you can fix this. Only you can transform this. Only you can heal this. Only you can restore this. This is beyond my capacity. This is beyond my intelligence. This is beyond my, my, my understanding. God, I'm going to need you to step in and I'm going to step out and let you do what only you can do because God, I'm looking for a revival right now in my life. I wonder if anybody's ever been there. Maybe some of you are there right now. Now, in the book of John, there's a story. It's an amazing story. It's a story of a family. And, and, and when I say this, you've you got to take this note down. You've got to let this download into you because sometimes we, we forget about these things. And I'm just going to share just a little bit. There's this family. And, and the family's name is, Mar well, it's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. How many of you guys remember the story of Lazarus? Right? Lazarus is the guy that ends up getting sick and he dies. He ends up dying. But what I want you to understand before I go into the rest of this message is that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were friends to Jesus. They had a relationship to Jesus. Let me put it to you in these terms. They had a personal relationship with God. They served God. They loved God. God loved them. God knew who they were. They traveled with him and they saw miracles. They saw wonders. They saw God do amazing things. And one day, their brother Lazarus, he gets sick. And in the story, we read in the very beginning what happens when he gets sick in chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. It says, in the village of Bethany, there was a man named Lazarus and his sisters Mary and Martha. And Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. You guys remember the story of the woman with the alabaster box? This is her. 
This is her breaking open the alabaster box, understanding that Jesus was going to die. He was going to go to the cross on her behalf. And so she takes perfume that was worth a year's worth of wages. Come on, how many women would be in trouble if you spent that kind of money on perfume today? Right? She spends a year's worth of her wages on this perfume. She breaks open the alabaster box. She pours it on the feet of Jesus because those feet are going to carry her sin to Calvary. Those feet are going to carry a cross that he would nail her sin to and he would rise again from on her behalf. And she breaks it open and she just anoints his feet and she dries his feet with her hair. This is this woman. This is this woman. She served Jesus. She loved Jesus, the other sister as well, Martha, she served Jesus whenever he would come into town. He would stay at their house, and she would make meals for him and take care of him. They were servants of God. In today's terms, we could say that they were Christians. They were Christians who loved God, served God, and had a relationship with God. But watch what happens. One day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. So his sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord... Our brother Lazarus, the one that you love, is sick. Please come. Now, again, you need to remember that they have a relationship with God. So here's my first point, and I need you to, need you to get this in you this morning. A relationship with God. <laughs> come on, put that first point up there. A relationship with God does not exclude you from life's hardships. A relationship with God is not a get-out-of-jail-free card from experiencing life's hardships in your life. I think far too often people think, well, because I'm a Christian and because I have a relationship with God, because I serve God, I'm a life group leader, I'm a pastor, I'm an elder, I volunteer in the nursery, I work in media, I work in sound, I lead worship. I think that sometimes people think because they have a relationship with God, because they love God, and because God knows who they are, that that will exclude them from life happening in them. What about when hard times come? What about when difficult things happen? How do we respond to those? Because life is filled with different seasons and different reasons for those seasons. And some of those seasons can be filled with joy. But I'm here to tell you some of those seasons can be filled with pain as well. Come on, anybody ever gone through some pain? Come on, anybody sitting next to a pain? No, I'm just kidding. Let's keep moving. Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, one of the most intelligent men in the Bible wrote this. Chapter 3, verse 1 and 4 and 11. There is a time for everything. There is a season for every activity under the heavens. To be, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. There's a time to tear down and a time to build. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. Come on. And there's a time to dance. Then in verse 11 he says... He has made everything, say everything. He's made everything beautiful in his time. Not your time. Not my time, not our time. But he's made everything beautiful in his time. He has also said eternity in the, in, the, in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Hear this this morning. With life comes the best of life, and unfortunately, the sorrows of life, some of which are consequences caused by bad decisions, right? 
There are things that happen in life that are, that are avoidable. Right? Come on. You don't smoke and you won't get lung cancer. It's avoidable. Right? Come on. Well, you don't know. You don't know. It's so hard. I do know. I used to smoke two pack of Newports every day. From the time I was 13 to the time I got caught with, from Roxanne. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because I was, I was smoking when I was 13 years old, and then I did other stuff that I shouldn't have done, but we're not going to get into that because the sermon's not about me. It's about everybody else. Anyways, so I, I was smoking since the time I was 13. When I, when I gave, got saved, gave my life to Jesus, I, I turned 19, and I started going to church. And I gave everything up. I gave everyone up. Started going to church, but I still smoked. I figured it's not, I mean, I gave everything else. I mean, can I have this one thing? Right? I mean, just let me have this one thing. But Roxanne was like super hardcore. Right? She's like, you need to give up smoking. I'm like, I did, but I didn't. I lied. I lied. And uh, I remember going to work in the morning, and I would just smoke all the way to work. And then when I was at work, I would smoke all day at work. And then on the way home, I'd brush my teeth, tic-tac, stick, uh, banaka blast, you name it. And I would come home, and she's like, hey, you smell like cigarettes. Like, well, that's the guys that I work with. But I was lying. And one day she caught me. And, and, and she, for real, for real, she thought I was going to hell. She thought I was going to hell. I'm not kidding. She's like crying. And she's like, I can't believe it. You're going to go to hell. And, I'm... and I asked God. I said, God, she doesn't want me to smoke. I, you know what? I don't want to see her like that. I don't want her to think I'm going to hell. Can you just stop? Make me sick of smoking. The next morning, you know, I prayed that prayer for her, not for me. But the next morning when I fired up a cigarette, I literally threw up and I never smoked again. So I know that God can heal you. Come on. Don't get drunk. You may find yourself in a bed that you have no business being in. You might ruin your life. You might end up ruining somebody else's life because you didn't know what you were doing. Don't sleep around. You can catch a disease. Come on. You could end up with somebody, you know, that you, <laughs> you, you could end up pregnant by somebody that you don't want to spend the rest of your life with. Come on. Don't be a criminal and you won't go to jail. Don't do drugs and you won't be an addict. This is just simple common sense. Go to school. Stay in school. Graduate. Get a better job later on in life so you can sustain yourself and the very people that you love. Common sense, but sense isn't so common nowadays. Right? So there are things that we can control. Come on, stay out of the cookie jar. Leave the ice cream alone. <laughs> Put away the hot tamales and the Sour Patch Kids already. Right? There are things that you can control. Am I talking to anybody here? You can control those things. But what about the things that you can't control? What about when life happens and it's none of your fault? 
What about when something or someone comes at you and you had absolutely zero to do with it and you're like, I don't deserve this. Let me just say that you cannot control the behavior or actions of other human beings, but you can control how you respond to those things. Come on, at Restoration Life, we say you can't control what comes at you, but you can control what comes through you, right? You can control your response. You can control your language. You can control what you say and how you say it. You can control, amen, the next decision that you make. You can control how you process this out. You can control it. You might not be able to control what comes at you. Like we know Pastor Mitch got into a crazy accident a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. He got T-boned. No control over it. Boom, they slammed into him. Truck gone. You can't control it, but how you respond to it, you can control. Come on, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm not going to allow that to hinder me or to keep me back from doing what I know what God's called me to do. I'm not going to blame the devil. I'm not even going to blame God. I'm not going to blame the person. I'm just going to say it's just what happened, and I'm moving on. You can control the way that you respond to it. Come on, somebody's talking mess about me. Hey, they're talking mess about you because they're hating on you. Come on. They know that you're blessed and highly favored. Come on, they're, they're, they're telling the world how good you are by talking smack about You can't control that. Amen, just be like, hey, amen, don't hate, celebrate. Let's go, come on. You can't control what people say to you. You can't control what, what your job, you could be like, you know what, I got my two-week notice. I don't got a job. But you know what, I just believe that God's going to open a better door with better finances, with better benefits, because that's the God that I serve. You can't control that they let you go, but you can control how you respond to how they let you go. And you can walk into something bigger and better. How many, how many know that God wants to bless you? He does. The Bible is riddled with scriptures on how he wants to bless you. But what happens when things that are out of your control, they sneak up on you like a tornado and they start destroying everything that you love that's in your path? This is what's happened to Mary and Martha. Jesus. Lazarus. Do you remember Lazarus? Jesus, he's your best friend, the one that you love. He's dying. You need to come. You need to get over here. And what was Jesus' response to that? I'm on my way. That's my boy. I'm on my way. No, that's not how he responds. He doesn't go to the garden to get Gethsemane and start with God. Dispatch heavenly angels with medical assistance and bring healing down unto my son Lazarus. No, he doesn't do that. He didn't dispatch the apostles that he just named and released them to go heal him. He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't run over to Lazarus' house and go, let me lay hands on you. We know that if Jesus just would have spoke, he would have been healed. How do we know that? Because the centurion was like, hey, Jesus, my, my servant is sick. Can you heal him? And Jesus is like, come on, let's go. And he's like, no, 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 you're busy. Just say the word. And I know my servant will be healed. And Jesus speaks aloud, says the word, and immediately that servant is healed. He didn't have to go lay hands on him. He didn't have to pray for him. He didn't have to touch him. He, didn't, he just needed to speak life over death. And that's exactly what happened. So we know Jesus could have just said it. Lazarus, you're healed. You're healed. Get up out of that bed. Let's go. We got work to do. No, he doesn't do any of those things. Watch. John chapter 11, verse 5 through 6. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I'd be like, really? 
like I'm Lazarus. Hey, what did Jesus say? He's going to stay for two more days. I mean, how would that make you feel? I mean, I know sometimes you're like, hey, I'm trying to set up an appointment with one of the leaders. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in a lot of hurt right now. I'm in a lot of pain. And what, 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 did, the, what did they say? Uh, they can't see you for another two weeks. What? I know them. I serve under their ministry. I'm a Christian. He loves me. I love him. Why wouldn't he try to help me? Listen, I want you to hear this this morning. Because sometimes we lose sight of God's delay. Sometimes we lose sight of God's delay over our situation and our circumstance. Let me remind you that your ways are not God's ways. Let me remind you that your thoughts are not God's thoughts. Let me remind you that your time frame is not God's time frame. Come on. One day is as a thousand years unto the Lord. And so God doesn't work in the scope of time. Right? We do. Right? Because time is running out. Especially when they're, we're in the middle of something. Especially when they're in the middle of, of, of some pain. But Jesus had a purpose for their problem. And some of you need to cast this this morning. Because right now, some of you are experiencing some pain. Some of you right now are experiencing some turmoil in your life. Some of you are experiencing some hardship. And maybe in your heart, maybe you haven't spoken it out. Maybe you haven't said it. But some of you at least have thought it. And you've said, but God, I serve you. God, you know me. I know you. I love you. You love me. I'm a son. I'm born again. I'm a daughter. I'm born again. And I'm asking you, I need this right now. And God says, I want you to hear that oftentimes when something is way out of your control, when something comes at you that wasn't your fault, that something that just arises that you had nothing to do with, more often than not, God's about to do something that you weren't expecting him to do. And when life hits you and it hits you the wrong way, and it's not because he did anything, but he did allow it for a purpose. He will use the problem that you're facing right now to increase your faith and grow you in strength in ways that you never even thought possible. You probably never even thought that you needed to grow. Because some of us, sometimes we act like we've arrived. I'm saved. Hallelujah. But then next thing you know, you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> How did this happen? When did this happen? Why did this happen? Somebody needs to hear this this morning. There is a purpose for the pain that you're experiencing. That there is a purpose and a plan. And, and I would say to you, don't waste what God is trying to show you in your pain. You're not in pain for nothing. What you may be experiencing, believe it or not, is growing faith pains as a Christian. Do you know that God will allow you to go through stuff to increase your faith? That God will allow things to take place to increase your faith? Why? Because on the other side of an increased faith is an increased purpose. It's another level of living that God wants to take you to. And unless you're ready for it, you can't handle it where your faith is right now. And so God will say, okay, you ready to go? Come on, how many are ready to level up right now? Anybody ready to level up? Come on. Oh, come on, let me tell you, new levels, new devils. 
If you're going to level up, you need to recognize that there are new devils, new struggles, new fights, and new fierceness at that level. And God will allow you to experience some pain right now to increase your faith, to strengthen you so that on the other side of it, when that thing comes at you, you'll be like, not today, devil. I got the Holy Ghost inside of me. I'm walking in strength. I'm walking in faith. I'm walking in power. I'm walking in purpose. And my faith has already been increased. You should have got me three years ago, but you can't mess with me right now. problem is we remove God from the equation and start saying things like, woe is me, why me? Why us? Why now? Oh God, not again. Right? How many of you are like, not again? Why? Why am I experiencing this again? Why do we have to go through this again? Maybe because you didn't learn your lesson the first time around. You wasted the purpose and the pain of it. You got yourself out of it. You bypassed God and you got yourself out of it. And God said, I wanted to do a miracle in you, but you bypassed me and you took a shortcut. Now you got to revisit so that you can experience the lesson so that you can really grow in faith and not in your own wisdom and your own intelligence. Don't waste the pain of the process. God is trying to increase you this morning. There is a reason, come on, for your season. And let me just say this, you're not always going to have all the answers up front. You're not always going to know the why to it. All you need to know is the who. <laughs> Why is this happening? I don't know. You know, sometimes people, Pastor, I need counseling. And they're like, why? Why? Why is she that way? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe because you're a jerk to her. Can I say that in church? Come on. Maybe because you're just like drip, 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 drip on him all day and all night. Maybe that's the reason why he's like, but maybe he's scared to come home. I don't know. You're like, I don't want to go home. She's so mean. <laughs> Sometimes we just don't know the whys. We can, we could maybe take a guess. And some things are just basic. Well, because you did that. Or because you did this. Or because you said that. But sometimes you're like, I don't know. Why did he take her home? I don't know. Some things are unanswerable. But I do know this. I know who is with you throughout all that mess. So I don't put so much weight on the why as much value as I put on the who. I'm not walking through this thing by myself. You're not walking through what you're going through by yourself. Jesus, the hope of glory, is with you. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He says that you're my temple, that I reside inside of you. And though there will be times where you feel like you're alone, you're not alone. Come on, God is with us. God is for us. And if God is with us and God is for us, come on, who can be or what can be against us? It won't all make sense all the time, but when he reveals it, you're going to be a testimony. You're going to have a testimony, and you're going to be able to grow in strength and glorify him at the end of it. Listen, there is a reason for your season. He is with me. He is with you. And whenever situations enter into your life that are bigger than your capacity to handle, don't give up on God. That's the stupidest thing that you can do. Well, that's it. I give up. I'm leaving the church. Going back to the bar. Yeah, that's intelligent. 
right? That's it. I'm going to go back to my old life. You're going back to death. Come on. I would say to you, stop bringing your brokenness to the wrong people. How bad are we at getting counsel from God? How bad are we at sometimes at just going to somebody who can just practically speak life over us? What we do sometimes is that we remove God because he's not answering us the way that we want him to answer us. God, the son, your son Lazarus, the one that you love, he's sick. You need to come. And God says, I'll be there in two days. And you're like, that's it. I give up. He's not even dead yet. But you give up before death even happens. We give up on our marriages before death even happens. We give up on our faith before death really happens. Stop bringing your problems to the bar. It'll only get worse. Bring your problems to Jesus. Stop bringing your brokenness to the wrong source of healing. Only Jesus can strengthen you. Come on, am I talking to anybody? Bring it to Jesus. Stop relying on yourself. Sometimes your worst enemy is you. Sometimes we are our worst enemy. I don't know about you, but I can get so impatient at times. And I'm like, like in my head, I'm like, God. And then I remember, I just need to release it to him. Psalms 55 and 2 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Come on. You might not be excluded from life's hardships, but having a relationship with God guarantees that you're going to come out on the other side of this much stronger with an increase of faith, able to walk in authority, glorifying God because he's taught you something through it. Look at what Peter says. Peter 5 and 7, he says this. Come on, I'm going to bring this to a close. Worship can come back up. Pour out all your worries and your stress upon him and leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. What does he say about your worries and your stress? He says, leave them there with Jesus. I think too many times we come into church, we gather here, and we worship, and we pray, and we hear a challenging message out of God's word. We respond to it. We come to the altar, and we're like, ah, we're just laying it here and then we put it down God I don't want this anymore it's just not for me anymore and then I'm like hey you're dismissed and then before you leave you go grab it and pick it up and run back outside with it and you're still stressed out you're still burdened because you didn't leave it there you took it back with you you took it back home you took it back to your marriage. You took it back to your parenting. You took it back to your job, to your business. You took it back to your ministry. You took it back to the people that you love. And they're like, man, are you saved? Are you even born again? Come on. God wants to powerfully restore you. Watch this. He's take a decisive act, a decisive stand against Satan and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles that you endure. And then after your, your brief suffering, the God of all love and grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in a pace to build you 
up. Come on. He wants to personally and powerfully restore you back to life. Even when we doubt him, he's still working it out for our good. Even when we mess up, he's still working it out for our good. Even when we give up on God, God never gives up on us, and he still works it out for our good. Come on, when you pray, it's not breaking news to heaven. He knows what you're going through. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He's like, come on, son. Come on, daughter. Shake it off. Grow in faith. I've got something on the other side of this pain. Jesus might be delayed, but you will never be denied. Hear that. You might be experiencing a delay in the answer, but hear me this morning. You will not be denied from the power and the love of Jesus Christ. Verse 11 says that Jesus added Lazarus to our friend, has just fallen asleep. It's time to go and wake him up. And when he heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he's just fallen asleep, then he'll just get better. He don't, we don't have to go there. But Jesus was speaking about Lazarus dying. But the disciples presumed that he was talking about natural sleep. Then Jesus made it plain to them. Look at somebody tell him, make it plain. Come on, I wish Georgia was here. Make it plain. Jesus makes it plain. Lazarus is dead. He died. And then he says this in verse 15. Watch this. And for your sake, no, go back. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Stop there. Don't go. Go back. We can read over this and miss this. I don't want you to miss what Jesus is saying to them. And I don't want you to miss what Jesus wants to say to us this morning. Jesus made a plain to them, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad that I wasn't there. Why? Watch, next scripture. Because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let's go and see him. Watch, watch, wait, 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 wait. It gets gooder. It gets gooder and gooder. Watch. Sometimes the purpose of your pain isn't only to increase and strengthen you. Sometimes what you're going through is to increase the faith of somebody else that God wants to move upon. And when they see God move on you, when they see God raise you up, when they see God heal your marriage, release your kids from the bondages of addiction, when God see, when they see God move on your behalf and your finances, they look at your life and they go, there must be a God. There has to be a God because I knew who they were before they met God. I knew what their marriage was like before they met Jesus. I knew what their life was like. They were messed up. They were broken. They were in despair. But God sought them through and they were raised up and they're walking in faith, healing, and freedom. And if God can do it for them, he can do it for me too. Your purpose and your pain might be for somebody else's increase of faith. Come on. Can I suggest that to you this morning that maybe what you're going through isn't because you did anything wrong. Maybe you're going through because you've done everything right and God wants to do a miracle in you to bring some other people to know Jesus. 
but you're going to have to be a living testimony of that because you can do one of two things. You can either give them an opportunity to blaspheme against God or you can give them an opportunity to say there is a God. Too many Christians, too many Christians go through something, they throw in the towel and everybody goes, see, I knew God was a fake. See, I knew that was dead religion. See, I knew it was just something that they just tried out for themselves. But then, then there are others, others that will stand by God no matter what happens. And they stay true and they increase in faith and they increase in strength. And when their family and the friends see them go through what they go through, they come out on the other side stronger than when they went through it. They go, there has to be a God. There has to be a Savior. And I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. Introduce me to Jesus. Count it all joy when you go through stuff because God's working it out for your good. If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to God this morning, nobody looking around, nobody talking around. I just want to ask you real quickly, just real quickly, I have to present this to you because if I don't, I'm not being obedient. Because this life, the Bible says, is but a vapor. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. And when Jesus Christ went to that cross, he didn't go to that cross so that you could have a religion that only brings forth death. He went to that cross to give you life and life more abundantly. Many of the people that you're sitting next to right now have experienced the death of life, walking in sin, walking in disobedience, but there's something beautiful and majestic about transitioning from death to life in Jesus. This is not a religion. This is a relationship. And maybe you're here. This is your first time ever visiting a Christian church. I have, to, I have to present this to you. God loves you so much that he wasn't willing that you would perish. But that everyone who comes to know him would have everlasting life. You're not here by coincidence. You're here by providence. You've been invited to an encounter with Jesus. And he wants to bring revival to your life. say, Pastor, I want to be born again. I need to be born again. I feel like I'm walking in death. I feel like my life is aimless. There is no purpose. There's just pain. And you'd be honest with me this morning and say, I want life and life more abundantly. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hands going up all over this place. Hands going up all over this place. Yeah, honest hearts, honest hearts. Right where you're at, I just want you to say this prayer with me. Don't say it to me. This is between you and God. We'll pray with you because we're a family here. But as you pray this prayer and you say it to God, I just believe that God's going to hear you from heaven. For the Bible says that whoever declares Jesus as Lord and Savior shall be saved. So say this prayer with me, church. Say, Father, forgive me of all my sins. I repent, I turn away from death, and I give you my heart, because I want life. You died 
rose again to give me life, not religion. Save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I want to welcome you to the family of God this morning. Come on. I believe that. I believe that if you said that and you meant it with all your heart, that right now, the Bible says, all things have passed away. Behold, come on, all things become brand new. You are a new creation today. Come on, you're brand new today. You're free 